Blog Talk Radio. Hey guys, welcome, welcome. Thanks so much for listening to the Ray Parrish Show here on Blog Talk Radio. Thanks so much for tuning in. I really appreciate you guys welcoming me into your living rooms, wherever you guys may be listening. You know, we are living in a time where we're living in a time that has never, we have never even lived before, even going back to the Spanish flu, where the Spanish flu, as you guys are familiar, people have been relating to COVID-19. Spanish flu took over, over 80 million lives from, or close to 50 million lives around there. And at that time, obviously, technology was quite different. You didn't get news as quickly as you could. You didn't have as, as, as medical advancement as we do now. But today, I really want to talk about things that aren't really knocking at the doldrums of what we are dealing with today. And today's, today's podcast is called The Crisis No One Wants to Talk About, COVID-19. And there's also more to that that I think we need to talk about, that once we are done with COVID-19, the coronavirus, what are we going to expect when we get back into the grooves of our daily lives. And some of that, it's the biggest myth the coronavirus dispels here in California. Businesses will be affected once this coronavirus wanes. If we hit a second wave of coronavirus going in, even going into 2020, 2021, 2022, going into, the, going into 2024, there's a lot that is going to affect us after this coronavirus wanes that we are going to talk about. Also, too, coronavirus has a major problem on its hands and it's not the coronavirus. I am going to get into that momentarily. But first, I also want to get into – this is not also, but this is what I really want to get into is the biggest myth that the coronavirus dispels here in California because this is going to affect everybody. I know right now I'm sure I have people listening in at home that are probably telling me how insensitive are you. You're just like the president. All you care about is the economy. But the reality is – the reality is we are itching. How many of you are itching to get out of your house if you are able to, even if you're sick, that you have the itch to go back to normalcy or do whatever you can to go back to normalcy, but also not just be normal, not just be normal, but go to – but get back to a part of life to where you can be sustainable. And that's a little bit what I want to talk about today is that we were living – when I mean we – when I mean we, I mean the economy. I mean businesses. I mean small businesses. I'm talking about how businesses were affected by the policies that have been pro- promulgated more specifically by the left, more so on the liberal wing, and how that's really affected businesses. And this is what I'm talking about. Okay? We're only two weeks into the worldwide shutdown because of the novel coronavirus, and the U.S. government had to cut a multi-billion-dollar check to help save small businesses across the nation. But why do I bring this up? The reason why I bring this up is because the coronavirus dispels the myth that businesses in California, or across the nation for that matter, it dispels the myth that businesses in California across the nation have Scrooge McDuck money bins laying around like these business owners, whether they're small business owners, whether they're medium-sized, whether they're Amazon, whether they're Tesla, whether they're the mom-and-pop shops, they don't have these Scrooge McDuck money bins, and they're not stuffing wads of cash because they don't want to pay their workers a $15 minimum wage. They don't have these wads of cash that you can increase taxes on these businesses. They just don't do it. If businesses were so flushed with cash… They wouldn't have to lay off almost an entire workforce. I think we're at, what, 20 million unemployed now? 
We're just three, not even eight weeks removed from having one of the greatest economies in over 50 years came to a screeching halt. And now we have a bunch of small businesses cutting, closing their businesses. Here in Sacramento, where I live, just four years ago, four years ago, we had, or a little bit under four years ago, the Sacramento Kings opened up their new arena downtown. They had this big restaurant called the Punch Bowl, and it was just this this colossal uh, foundation that revived downtown Sacramento. They had bustling businesses. They had all these workers, everything. And rumor has it, hasn't been substantiated yet. I ran into somebody at, at the grocery store the other day, and there's a good chance that the punch bowl may not make a comeback. Just four years into this, booming business, booming economy, and they may not come back. Small businesses here in California make up 90% of all businesses here in California. And I specifically bring this up because the tax-hungry liberal left on the left coast, on the right coast, those that really say the rich can pay for it, those the, the part of the Democrat Party that, said, that, that say let business owners pay for it, let's tax them because they have the money for it. Well, going back to what I originally started with is we want to make not just our business owners, not just you, but really the economy at large sustainable, sustainable to where maybe you are not taxing them as much as you are. From what I understand is California has like the highest uh, income tax rate in the nation. What would happen if you lowered that tax rate? What would happen if that happened? You know, and – and, and to, to, I want to add – I want to add to this point. In the New York Times, Jim, Jim Tackersley, Emily Cochran, and Emily Flutter have this, have this article um, in the New York Times, and it says small business aid funds, dr- funds run dry as programs fail to reach hardest hit. And it writes, funding for the Paycheck Protection Program, an initiative created by the $2.2 trillion stimulus law enacted last month, could be exhausted as early as yesterday. That's the 15th, or the 16th already, meaning the Small Business Administration would have to stop approving applications. As of Wednesday evening, more than 1.4 million loans had been approved at a value of more than $315 billion, according to the Small Business Administration. Even before the coronavirus outbreak, even before the coronavirus outbreak, here in Sacramento, where I live, CBS 13 reported December 2019 titled, it was a piece titled, Sacramento Restaurants Closed Due to Imminent Minimum Wage Increase. And I'm I'm specifically bringing this up because, like I said in the beginning, what the myth that this coronavirus dispels is that small businesses, medium-sized businesses, they don't have Scrooge McDuck money bins just laying around to where you can promulgate a $15 minimum wage. You can promulgate raising any type of tax, and it continues. The CBS piece continues. The minimum wage increase, which will hit $13 per hour, applies to businesses with 26 or more workers. Employee, employee, employers with fewer than 26 workers will have to pay a minimum wage at $12 an hour. We're not even $15 an hour yet. When considering his, his operating costs, Corey, a restaurant owner, is, it, he says it's just unsustainable. He says, quote, the wages are definitely a heavy pressure on us, he said. About forty grand a year every time they jack up the minimum wage. Okay, and I'm not even done yet. Sacramento News and Review, 
which is a very, as they self-proclaimed, liberal progressive newspaper here in Sacramento, they have a piece that says the ne- that says uh, looking the next. Uh, oh, excuse me, excuse me. I don't want to uh, go too far. Okay, so Sacramento News and Review has a piece, and it starts out like this. Why are so many sack restaurants closing? Dated January 2020, and all the way at the bottom. All the way at the bottom, in paragraph like 15, it says, or maybe restaurants have been drenched in a perfect storm of business challenges as costs continue to increase from a higher minimum wage. Also, too, rent and food, and while trying – now, check this out. All while trying to survive on razor-thin profit margins. Would you believe that? Buried all the way. I mean, that's something that you should actually leave either in the title or in the first three sentences of your paragraph. But the reason why they are burying it is because some people – and look, I am not trying – I want to also add this caveat, which I think I'm going to repeat later on in this program. I'm not here to promulgate, to promulgate Democrat or Republican, and that's not what I'm trying to do. I'm really trying to promulgate – what are the issues that are going to make the economy more efficient? And if it just so happens that conservatives want lower taxes, then I'm a conservative. Or if that was a liberal thing, then I'm a liberal. I just don't care. But at some point, and I'll, and I'll also get into this on why specific policies have gotten to where we are now and why we are facing, why we possibly could be facing a COVID-20. COVID-20 is literally it's really on our next door. It's like right around the corner. It's at the stoplight right now. It's at the stoplight right now that's on the verge of turning green. It's past that yellow where we're at yellow and you're about to stop. We're right now, the next COVID-20 is at, the, is at the stoplight right now around the corner, and it's about to hit us right now if we don't do something about it. But here's the thing, okay? Here's the million-dollar question is no – okay, before I get to that, before I get to the million-dollar question, before I get to the million-dollar question, because I'm going to go to break in just a second. Okay, I'm not here only to tell you what is wrong, what is not working, because I can do that all day. The other day I was writing an op-ed, and I had a, um, a friend of mine edit it, and the response back was, "Is you're talking about everything that what is wrong with here in California and all the policies that are hurting, but at some point you really need to get to what, is, what we need to do so that you, the listener, don't feel overwhelmed. And here's what I'm going to tell you. Here's what I'm going to tell you is it's not just going on social media and being a, a keyboard warrior, but also getting involved in local politics, getting involved in local politics, getting to know who's representing you. Because believe it or not, and because it's campaign season, go search on who is your representative in your district. And you may think, okay, that's too much of a monumental task. They'll never – they'll never be open to taking my call, being the candidate or the incumbent. If somebody is running up against an incumbent, you have a more likely chance of searching them on Facebook, seeing who's taking, who's their challenger, who's facing the person that's in office right now, and asking them, what is your platform? This is what concerns me. You are more likely to have somebody who's going up against somebody in your district. You are more likely to get a hold of them and have the, and you tell them, look, I want lower taxes. I want to be able to open up my business without having all my money taken away from me. Are you prepared for the next COVID-20? 
So that's up to you. And and I and I strongly I strongly urge you at home instead of just complaining about what's going on. Go to your local representative. That's what I did. Tamika Hamilton, she's running, um, not necessarily in my district, but I reached out to her and I said, hey, what's your platform? I want to know what you think. I want something that's, that is uh, unrehearsed. Buzz Patterson here, I'm a friend of his. I've been helping him on his campaign. And also I'm getting, I'm getting uh, asked, am I taking callers? 319-527-6719. 319-527-6719 if you guys want some eye candy. If you want some eye candy, feel free to follow me on Periscope at It's Ray Paris on, on uh, Periscope. But if you're on Periscope, you're not going to be able to listen to the callers. I'm going to go to break right now. When we come back, I do want to – there's two things I want to talk about. There's two things I want to talk about. First thing I'm going to talk about is – and this is the million-dollar question. How the hell do we open up the country? Because there's a good way to open it. There's a bad way to open it. And there's something in between, and I think some Republicans are getting it wrong. Some Republicans are getting it wrong. And there's a lot that I don't agree with the Democratic Party, and I'm going to tell you guys what that is in just a second. I'm going to take a quick break. Feel free to call in 319-527-6719. Again, 319-527-6719. I'm Ray Paris. This is The Ray Paris Show. I'll be right back. Hey guys, welcome, welcome. Thanks so much for tuning in. This is the Ray Paris Show. I'm your humble correspondent, Ray Paris. And you know what? We are living in a time that we've never been in before. And I think, I mean, I mean, I know a, a political commentator was talking about this the other day, is that the last time we really saw something like this was when Abraham Lincoln suspended the writ of habeas corpus. That's the only thing that I can think of. We didn't even face anything like this during the Spanish flu where everything had to be locked down. But now we are really facing in modern times how we're going to bounce back. Is, because the reality is when we bounce back, there is going to be a consequence of it. And, even, and when I mean consequence, that means the consequence of life. Consequence of life is 
right now. I believe that there are some models like the University of Washington model that they expected us to get 100,000 deaths. Now it's, we're, I believe we're going to be well below that. And the million-dollar question that I was alluding to before I went on to break was the million-dollar question is, is how do we open up? And my comment to that is no matter what the answer is, there is going to be a consequence. And if your model is or the way how we roll out is, well, instead of having 100,000 deaths, we're going to have 10,000 deaths. But if you still have 10,000 deaths, that's still 10,000 too many. And that's even before we get to deaths. What about the people that are still living, the people that have businesses, that have livelihoods? Like my father, my father spent $50,000 of his own money to, or more, if anything, minimum of $50,000 to open up his business. And we have businesses to no fault of their own had to close down. They had to shut down. And we still have people that because of the small because of the loan that that they got from the stimulus package some of them were not able to get a, a a loan and i'm not here to dissect and say the republicans are wrong or democrats wrong i like like i said it's okay to say at some point i don't know but randy from san diego i want to welcome randy he says that he wants to talk about how i guess he's a small business owner randy thanks so much for tuning in thank you so much for taking my call i do have uh uh, yeah, I've, I've had that situation. I, 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 one of the issues that I'm that I'm having is I do bank with Wells Fargo. Wells Fargo was allocated two different uh, uh, loan amounts or or a certain amount of funds by the SBA. One, uh, both of them being ten billion dollars. The first ten billion were 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 used up within twelve hours, um, and the next one was just lasted probably less than that. I think it was more like eight hours. So another ten billion dollars were were wasted i put my i was waiting on my computer uh to pull the trigger and fill out the application i know i was one of the first first ones to do that and um and nothing you know nothing came of it we received an email today as a matter of fact i could read it right now to you Um, okay bear with me one second I have it right here. It says, this morning, Small Business Administration announced that it's exhausted the funds provided by the U- under the CARES Act and is seeking additional funding from Congress. We recognize the frustration to the uncertainty around much of the needed funding for your business, and so on and so on. So that's that, that's what I received today. So I want to know, what, what where's the money? Why can't I get some of it? Is it all being allocated towards the larger people? Yeah, you know, a lot, I, lot the, the bigger companies. It's going to be something that's going to be given to some of the larger businesses, or you know what, Randy? I mean, you have at a good any point, point in time. I, is it going to be some of the smaller companies? Are we going to see any of the money? You know, Randy. Here, here's the one thing at that any I would point suggest. Time, it would you, be Randy. really nice if I would like to get some of this money because we are dying. My family is not eating. It's just, it's very difficult. These times are very Randy, difficult for us. Randy, my kids are eating sardines. They're not even eating oysters. We're just eating smoked oysters right now. I mean, this is difficult for all of us. Um, Hey, Randy, can can you hear me okay? Uh, Yeah, I can hear you. I just this is a very difficult time for us, and yeah, I can hear you just fine. It's just as if there's nothing going on. It's just we're very. Hey, um, I, Randy, I'm so sorry. I don't. I think. You know what? I, I'm so sorry to hear that. That's probably one of the most difficult calls I've ever had to take, Randy. Um, I wasn't even sure if you can hear me. I hope you guys can hear me right now. Um, that that was a very difficult call to take, being in my radio career that I've been in this for about eight, about eight years. 
And Randy, I apologize. The only reason why I put you on mute, I wasn't sure if, I, if you can hear me at all. I hope you guys can hear me okay. Um, Randy, here's the one thing that I would say is number one is obviously go to your food bank because this is a very serious thing that this is – I don't want to say it's above my pay grade, but this is a very serious situation. And, and I would say contact your local representative and have that, and have that honest conversation with them. Okay, so I'm getting text messages. You can hear me. But this isn't an honest answer. I mean, seriously. I, Randy, if you can still hear me, I would go to your local representative and really speak to them and say, look, I am suffering. And honestly, like if you guys can hear my voice, like I, I, I'm speechless. Because, and here's the reality of it is, is because I don't have that large of a family. It's just my aunt and myself. And I'm – you know, I have I, I don't know what the word I'm looking for here is. Is I can only imagine what somebody like that is going through. Um, I'm going to take uh, another call. Five zero six. What is your name? Where are you calling from? Hello, this is Doctor Kent Topper. I'm calling from Ontario, Canada. Okay, and what oh, can I? What, what can I? Uh, how's it going? What can I do for you? I had a question. For you. What's that? Does. All right. So, uh, okay. So here's another thing that I I, want to talk about too, is that we're in the mixture here. We're trying to figure out how we're going to open up. How are we going to open up? Because there's two sides of this issue, and I just don't think one issue is the right issue. I don't think that one stance is the the end-all, be-all. There's some that say that we need to close, and there's been some reports that I believe is at Los Angeles that they're closing all the way through May 15th, and then there's some con- there's major conservatives, there's some conservatives like in Michigan who they want to slowly open up. And here, NBC News has reported, looking, sorry about that, uh, NBC, I have it right here, looking, looking, uh, NBC News has reported that Oh, sorry about that. I'm looking up. So, so uh, on governor, so NBC News is reporting that conservative Michiganders feel that Governor Whitmer's new restrictions violate their constitutional right. A, a petition directed to Michigan State House, to Michigan State House on char, on Change.org. They say recall Governor Whitmer, Whitner has been re- has been circulating and received over 225,000 signatures as of this writing. Simultaneously, a Facebook group called Michiganders Against Excessive Quarantine appeared who published an open letter to Governor Whitmer. So the the thing is though, and I, I'm seeing this all over social media, like I know Matt Walsh of the Daily Wire tweeted out that why are you going to call the cops on people who are playing basketball in the park? Now, here's the one thing and and here's the thing, and this is where I learned lean libertarian, is whatever you want to do, I don't care. You can do whatever you want, but you can do whatever you want just as long as there are not exigent circumstances that, or that there's not other circumstances that is going to affect other people. So if you want to go to the park and you want to wave your fist around, raise your fist around all you want. I don't care. Raise your – like you want to throw your, your fist around? I don't care. 
But once you start waving your fist around or you have a machete and you start wielding it around and then you start hitting other people and there's an externality to that, you can no longer go to the park anymore. Now, the same thing with playing basketball. If you're playing basketball and you're playing three on three and you're guarding someone and their back is to you because they're about to post up on you and their sweat gets on you, how do you know that person that you're guarding isn't a restaurant worker, isn't going to get off of, isn't going to go to work at 4 p.m. and start flipping burgers or giving you a moke at your local Starbucks that still has her drive through open or the person that is guarding the guy who's posting up, they're asymptomatic for 15 days. Their close proximity, just that simple leisure of playing basketball has an externality to it that right now we don't have any testing for it. So, yes, I'm all for that. I am all for saying, no, you cannot play basketball at the park here in West Sacramento. The discussion group that I'm a part of that has over 15,000 people in it, and I guess they, you know how the meme goes, don't be a Karen, you know, or a, a neighborhood Karen or whatever you call it, and you call on your neighbors, you call the police and say, we have people playing basketball. Yeah, I would do that because I don't know if the people that are in close contact competing with each other, I don't know if they're going to go out and play basketball and then go to work at a restaurant, go work as my cashier, go out in public for something that could have been prevented. But if you're out with your family, people that you live with, and out here they have people throwing the football, they're social distancing within 15 feet, and they're living with each other, and then they, when they're done with the park, they go out to the park and they self-quarantine, fine. I get it. I don't care. Guys, I'm going to go to break because my phone line's blowing up. I just looked at my queue. I'm going to go to break. I want to hear from you guys. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to The Ray Paris Show here on Block Talk Radio. Feel free to call in 319-527-6719. 319-527-6719. Come back to me. Keep on moving till the first days are done. Keeping it on till it is
Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in. I really appreciate it. I'm Ray Paris. This is the Ray Paris Show. You know what? I had no idea that I was going to get this many callers. Here I am thinking, you know what? I haven't done podcasting in a little bit. And I said, you know what? I want to put a show together. I want to come on. There's tons to talk about. I'm just going to throw it out on Block Talk Radio. And whoever calls, calls. I thought I'd just be echoing in my own echo chamber, but obviously not. We've got quite a bit of people in the queue. I know we have Jose coming up. He's from San Diego. And then also Joe from Montana. I don't know if that's Joe Montana, but Joe from Montana will be coming up. But before we get to those callers, I do want to get to something that I really want to get out there that I think it's really important and I'm really passionate about. And I will get to you callers in just a second. Just hold on for just a minute. And there's something that I really want to talk about that's really bothering me. And the one thing that I think it's really frustrating, especially be here in California, I'm born and raised here, but there's a major problem that's really, it's a major problem here that California has on its hands, and it's not the coronavirus. It's not the coronavirus. And it's a, I know this global pandemic has really shut down the entire world economy. We had a caller earlier today. He has a, he has a small business and just gut-wrenching, I feel for him. But there is also something that could have been stopped. And like I said, this is what I was referencing earlier. It's at a stop sign right now. It's just at a stop sign. This problem, and analogously speaking, it's at a stop sign, and it's just about to make its way into California. It's just a matter of time, and it's going to be on the same path, if not worse, than COVID-19. And we, and we could be talking about COVID-20 shortly, not, not too far away. And you know what that is? That's a homeless problem. And I'm not here just to promulgate. I'm not here just to talk about and spout what everybody else is talking about. But I do want to tell you that as much as I believe that the homeless problem could be our next COVID-20, and the LA Times has talked about how medieval diseases is, is lurking on the streets of Los Angeles, we need to find a solution. Because the solution that's happening right now, it's not working. Over the last two years, Governor Newsom has poured over $3 billion in an attempt to solve the homeless issue. And going back to on June 30th, in 20, in June 30th uh, 2004, Gavin Newsom made a bold promise. He says in, in 10 years, the worst of San Francisco's homeless problems will be gone. Well, over a billion dollars later, 16 years later, the homeless problem only has gotten worse. It's time, it's time for Congress to step in. It really is. Because – the reason why is you look at Los Angeles, you look at San Francisco here in Sacramento where I live, you have businesses having to close up shop, not because of COVID-19, but because you have homeless who can't think for themselves. They're either on drugs, they have mental illness, they're defecating on the streets or defecating on the floors, they're taking needles. In San Francisco, they hand out over 400,000 needles to help people take heroin when they're done. And I've seen this as an Uber driver. I've seen this as an Uber driver. I've seen somebody shoot up with heroin. They're, at, they're shot up out of their mind. They're defecating on the floors. They're urinating on the sidewalks. I have a video of a homeless guy injecting himself, trying to get his fix, discard the needle. Who knows if he has HIV? And I've seen kids, and this has been documented in NBC. NBC Bay Area documented this. Kids, this is a constant thing that happens. They step over needles going to school. Then what happens when those kids are infected? What happens if somebody is going, to, is going to work? What happens if someone's hopping in an Uber, get on an airplane, and go to Maryland, D.C., New York, and you're bringing these diseases with you? If a bat, if a bat in a wet market can affect and shut down the entire global economy, what the hell do you think these – what the hell do you think a medieval disease can possibly do mixed with a coronavirus? But the question is, is how do you find the solution here? 
How do you find the solution? And the solution is, is nobody wants to talk about it. People aren't going to like it. This is going to be uncomfortable for people. But really, we need to start with treatment first. You need to start with treatment first, and treatment first means mandated treatment. Because if people don't have anything to fear, like either going to mandated treatment, going to a treatment that could be a new version of prison, where you're not just going behind bars, but you're going somewhere that you're behind bars, but you're getting the mandated treatment. I'm a libertarian. I, I, I'm, I'm, in liber, I, I'm libertarian where if you want to go shoot up Coke and you want to do whatever you want, you want to smoke some weed, you want to just drink a bunch of Coke and eat some sugar and kill yourself, or what, I mean, God forbid, but if it leads to morbidity, that is your problem. But if you constantly drinking Coke and it finds out that you drinking Coke leads to other people dying, then the government has to step in to protect unsuspecting people who have nothing to do with your Coke drinking or Coke snorting. I'm co I come from a Guamanian background. I come from a Guamanian background. And my grandmother ate very unique things. She loved eating fruit bats. I said, my grandma, what, I mean, she can eat whatever she wants. But if my grandmother, if it turns out that my grandmother eaten fruit bat, that the externality to that was other people dying, she can't eat fruit bat anymore. In San Francisco, where you have people that don't take showers, and what's the main thing about COVID-19 on how to prevent yourself from getting sick? Washing your hands. And you have an entire encampment that you're, you're enabling them to stay there. Some of them really either don't have the incentive or don't have the opportunity to get better off the streets. So we're already dealing with COVID-19, a bat that, that came from a bat, allegedly, shut down the entire world economy. And then you have an entire state where it has an increase of 13% of homelessness. The rest of the country right now has seen a 9% decrease in homelessness. California, 13% increase. Seventh largest market in the world seventh largest economy in the world, and they can't figure out how to solve it because you know why they can't figure it out? They don't want to hurt anybody's feelings because they have that mentality of safe space. We've got to care for everybody. Well, if you're going to care for everybody, it's not humane to leave somebody that's going to defecate on the streets, pee, sleep in their piss, and then have somebody else walk either in their piss or in their needle. And the whole reason why they started this needle handout is to prevent the transmission of HIV. Well, then you just created another problem. Okay, there's not going to be anybody that's going to be trading or swapping needles that are HIV positive. But now what's happening is, is they're not swapping needles. They're discarding it now. And somebody who's in San Francisco, San Francisco, San Francisco is an international city. It's very likely that somebody can hop on the Amtrak and come down here to Sacramento. That once they get to Sacramento, stand a few days here with family and friends, hop on a plane and go to D.C. That's very feasible. So the government has to step in. Somebody And here in California, we have um, Senator Morlack that has, and look this up, SB 640. And, of course, a liberal in Los Angeles killed this before it can even go to where it needs to be to go further. And what it does is SB 640 says that uh, looking, if an individual as a result of a medical health has a mental health disorder or incapable of making informed decisions about their own personal well-being, there should be better metrics to help those who are simply incapable of helping themselves. Senator Morlack, who is sponsoring this bill, says, quote, this failure has converted our jails and prisons into makeshift mental institutions and left a high number of seriously mentally ill homeless individuals with no means of treatment or care. This started under Gavin Newsom, 
And he said 10 years ago, $3 billion prior, that we were going to have this fixed, and he hasn't. So his problems, his solutions are not working. We need fresh new ideas. Now that I'm done ranting there, I want to go to the phone lines. I know I do have Jose. He's from San Diego. I just want to give you guys also a heads up. Uh, I told Jose that I would um, help him translate so uh, because he is a native Spanish speaker. Let's welcome Jose to the program. Jose, bienvenido. Mucha, uh, buenas noches. ¿Cómo está? Muy bien, gracias a Dios. Uh, thank you. Uh, I'm going to try. Like I said, I, I speak Spanish. Uh, English, uh, pretty good. So, cuando uh, tiene problemas, if you could help me a little bit, it's good. Uh, one of my problems is uh, I know Gavin Newsom. I live in, in San Diego. Uh, Gavin Newsom was saying that uh, they were going. To, he was going to be helping with the immigrant population, uh, illegal immigrant population, and uh, uh, providing a certain amount of, of of taxpayer funds to help us get through these rough times. Um, myself, I've been working for a nonprofit organization that I helped to create here in San Diego, which we do a recycling of, of uh, needles and syringes. And so we recycle them, we wash them in water, and then we redistribute within the homeless population. But um, and, and that's something that has been very uh, effective. And I've been wondering what you think about um, when the money would be coming to the illegal population. Yeah, Jose, muchas gracias. Agradezco. Thank you very much. I appreciate your phone call. Um, you know, here, here's my thing. I have a problem with that as a fiscal conservative. I have a problem – like it, this isn't a black or white issue where, yes, undocumented immigrants get it. No, they don't. I do not believe that they should be getting it directly because you came here illegally. I can't go to China, work there, or Mexico for that matter, work there and expect a stimulus package like what they're getting here. However – However, I do want to say this. If you're an undocumented immigrant and you came here for a better life, I get it. I wish you came here the right way. I know that the system is broken, and I know it's not working. I know going back to 2013 when you had Marco Rubio and Chuck Schumer present uh, uh, supporting the Gang of Eight bill that would have led a path to citizenship, and I get that. That's going back into the weeds. But I do believe I do believe, in my opinion, that there are ways that instead of spending taxpayer money directly on undocumented immigrants that should not be here, there are undocumented immigrants that are still working through this time, that don't have a criminal record, are hardworking people, and are still working in the field to get us our food supply. That is the reality. That's more of a reality here in California than it maybe it would be in Seattle, Washington, because there's maybe not as much of a farming industry like there is here. But I know, uh, Jose, that you said earlier as well that you work for a nonprofit, and, from, and I don't have my notes with me, but I do know that there was a report that there was about $50 million raised or $20 million raised worth of donations going towards undocumented workers. And that's fine if it's a donation, and they are part of the economy here. Whether I, want, I would like you to come here legally as much as I do want you to, there are here that are there are undocumented immigrants that are working in the field that are either cultivating tomatoes that are cultivating that's keeping food on the table. That's the reality. And I know I'm going to get flack. Uh, you know, where I am going to get flack from my Republican colleagues, my Republican friends, even from my own family. I'm going to hear from them. 
But the reality is, is that there are some honest working people in the fields right now that are putting food on the table. And if we can either funnel money to the farmers that are there and have what I mean that, obviously, right? Perception, reality, I get it. But if we can, it, I, and I don't know when the money's going to get there. I don't know. I'd like to know. But the reality is, is there has to be some way to where it's going to go to people that are specifically working in that industry, whether it's the agriculture business. And um, look, California is a different beast, especially in the Republican Party. It's a different beast compared to what it is in Texas or compared to what it is in Florida. Um, and I know I got a question earlier um, from somebody else who was from San Diego. He was a business owner, and he didn't know when he's going to get a stimulus package. That's heartbreak. That's heartbreaking. Um, so I, I hope that I was I hope I was able to answer that for you guys. Um, I'm going to go to Joe uh, Joe in Montana. Hey, hey Joe, what's going on? Yeah, I hear you. All right, there's a number of issues. Uh, number one, the immigration problem. Uh, it's a good thing I'm not the president because I would have put machine guns up at the border. Nobody crosses the Rio Grande. Nobody crosses the border unless they want to get shot. Um, in terms of immigration, again, the president has the sole purview over who comes in here and why, according to some constitutional scholars. There are laws in the books that kind of regulate his authority, his or her authority, but other scholars would say um, the laws in the books weren't even necessary, um, and the immigration issue was beyond judicial review. So I'll just say that in a very brief way. The thing about COVID-19 is that there's so much information out there, I don't know what to believe. I'm uh, listening to both the left and the right hand with regards to epidemiologists, virologists, MDs, all saying, this disease is terrible. And the other half saying, this disease isn't a problem at all. But I have to ask myself, if I'm listening to both of them, which one do I believe? How do I discern truth from, fix, uh, from fiction? Well, you take a look at the, um, the old statistics about H1N1, which was a bad year in 2017. Hey, 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 Joe, you want... hey, hey Joe, I, I just want to let you know, hey, I'm going to give you about 15 more seconds if you can respond, because I do got to get to other callers if that's okay. Okay, go ahead. I only no, talked for about no, a I... minute. But, no, I know, I know, but I got other know, callers. So, so just, no. you know, we have to come to a conclusion. Go ahead. Yeah, well, you you gave Jose. Oh, okay, go ahead. Go ahead with the other callers. I'll see if I'll stay on the line on that. Go right. ahead, I said. Go, go. Okay, I'll come back to you. Okay. All right. So I want to take this other caller real quick. Um, what is your name? Where are you calling from? Hello. What is your name? Where are you calling from? All right. Hello? Good, e good evening. Yes, good evening. This is Dr. Peter Paul Ventura from Imperial Beach. Okay. And what, what's on your mind? Uh, I wanted to uh, uh, talk about the uh, the immigrant that talked about the uh, being here illegally. Um, I don't know if I'm on the air or if I need to. Uh, no, Am I ahead. on the air, sir? You are on the air. Go ahead. Am I? Okay. Uh, just in regards to, uh, uh, I, I agree with you. There is a way to come over legally, and um, uh, 
we need to, and yes, the system is broken, but, um, and the fact that they are out there, uh, you know, doing the, uh, the picking of the, uh, vegetables, the fruits and other jobs that, uh, good Americans don't want to do or can't do, or just, well, the, the fact of the matter is that even back in, uh, in, in several years ago, there was, a there was a way to get here legally and move them here. And there was a, a time of Reagan where they had a wave of migrant workers that came here legally, stayed here six months and left. And, uh, you know, we had less border restrictions and they were free to come and go as they please. And the reason they didn't stay is because the borders were, uh, were, were, uh, I guess, more flexible. And it was easier to get in and out of the country. So they had, a, they didn't have a reason to stay. They'd take their, earn money and go back and spend it to their uh, native lands. Uh, now, the problem that I have right now is that it's uh, in uh, the lifestyles of, of every um, of modern-day Americans. Uh, for example, I, uh, the, I, I used to be a, uh, a limo driver for, the, uh, for a certain organization, and when I would go uh, to uh, – I had three babysitters, all teenagers, that I uh, – that I put a knife to and I raped and I'm not able to do that anymore. And I, I just miss raping those, those young girls. I mean, it's just, it's, it's bad for business for me. Would you agree? Okay. Wait, I'm yeah, sorry. Because... I, I, I misheard you. Re- repeat that again. I said I was, a I was the, uh, proud owner of a babysitting business and I can't put uh, people to work anymore. Okay. Well, everybody's staying home, so nobody's working, and I cannot put my teenage girls to uh, to work. Put a knife to their neck, and I can't rape them anymore either. Cannot believe this. All right. So going back to – let's take some of our last callers. Um, what, is your, what is your name? Where are you calling from? Hey. Excuse me. My name's Henry. <clears throat> Sorry. I did, in fact, have the coronavirus. I agree with the last gentleman. I mean, I've been told to, I have to go munging now. I don't know if you're familiar with munging. <clears throat> but munging is when, because the stimulus package has not been passed <clears throat> by the Senate. That means I have to dig up dead bodies with my friends and we fuck it. All right, guys, so now we're just getting trolled. But anyways, hey, guys, uh, so that's it. So pretty much, you know, we don't know what's going to happen over the next few weeks. Um, over the next few weeks, how, where are we going to be? How are we going to open up the, the economy? And we don't know. And, the, and here's the one thing. Before I get going, I do want to end on this, is that President Trump said something the other day that I just couldn't believe that he said. And I'm saying this because the reason why I bring this up is when it comes to applying policies, when it comes to you know, what you stand for, you shouldn't be dedicated to a Republican or a Democrat. You should be voting your issues. You should be an issues voter, and that's what I tell people. And there's things that I really like that Trump has done, and there's things that really bothers me. And the other day when I saw Trump say that he has full authority to open up the country and that's what the president means, that's what the president holds in his power, I said, wait, hold on. No, you do not have constitutional power to open up the economy as you please. It should be 
a local issue. And look, I'm not a big fan of Gavin Newsom. I don't like him. I think, as I said before, I think he, it's because of him, he played a lot into the homeless problem growing out of control. And I do think Governor Newsom has done a really good job, and you know, he, he got these ventilators that weren't working. But when they weren't working, instead of saying President Trump isn't helping me, he went and he found a solution. Fine. I get it. I don't, two things can be right at the same time. I don't like Gavin Newsom. He had a really good solution. President Trump, I like what he's been doing so far when it came to the economy, but when he said that he has full authority, I don't think that's true. I don't think he's completely wrong on that. And later on, he kind of backed that up, and he says, I'm going to work with the other governors. And that's as, – as libertine that I can be, I want the power to be at the state level. I don't want the first thing that we do is go to the na- – and nationalize everything. That's one of, And here's the one thing, too. This is the one thing before we get going. I, I've been going a little too long is the one thing that I just don't understand is I have people saying that President Trump hasn't done enough, that it's on his hands. Then we have people saying that who is President Trump to open up the whole country? What do you want? Do you want President Trump to control the entire economy, or do you want the states to control it? Do you want the states to control how we stay open or how we stay closed? Because I don't want what's happening in Missouri to be applied here in California. And I'm sure what's happening in Seattle, they don't want to be applied in Maine or Colorado. Hey, guys, I'm going to go. Thanks so much for tuning in. My name is Ray Paris. This is my first podcast being on in a couple of months. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in. This is The Ray Paris Show. Have a good one.